You're listening to The Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this noon hour. A lot to get through. Not everybody very happy with the provincial government. Surprise, surprise. A couple of big moves by the province today. One concerns municipalities, and essentially the government says that after looking at a review, they are not going to amalgamate, they are not going to change anything. It's status quo, pretty much, in terms of municipalities and how they the structure is put together. Bonnie Crombie has just put out a statement. Of course, she is the mayor of Mississauga. Quote, the status quo is not what Mississauga had hoped for. We're disappointed. We accept this decision, and we're going to work with our partners to ensure good government continues. There are still significant issues at the region that need to be addressed. That is the response from the Mississauga mayor today. The other big news, of course, from the province, you heard it in the newscast, vaping. And I'll get to the vaping regulations in just a moment when the Minister of Health and the Deputy Premier of this province, Christine Elliott, joins me live on the phone in just a couple of moments. But I want to give you some context. There are fewer reports of vaping illnesses now coming in. This especially in the United States where the majority of illnesses have been reported. And U.S. health officials are simply not sure what to make of all of this. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said 125 additional cases were reported in this last week. That now brings the total to 1,604. That's this year's outbreak of vaping illness. And that includes 34 deaths, one more than last week. So the outbreak is still happening. But the count of new cases has dropped significantly and has been dropping for the last three weeks straight. And the CDC says... They don't really know why. It is possible that delays in reporting could be an explanation. The outbreak appears to have begun in March, and no single ingredient, electronic cigarette or vaping device, has been linked to all of the illnesses. But most who get sick say they vaped products containing THC, that is the ingredient in marijuana that makes you high. Now, Ontario announced today... It will ban the promotion of vaping products in convenience stores and gas stations. The Minister of Health, Christine Elliott, says that that ban will prevent youth from being exposed to vaping. And it will take effect January 1st, 2020. The changes, according to the minister, come after new research shows that vaping is on the rise amongst young people in the province. Health authorities in Canada have begun to closely monitor reports of the respiratory illnesses potentially linked to vaping. And Health Canada, for its part, says vaping has risks and the long-term effects remain simply unknown. So what the province is doing is it is changing regulations to treat vaping products the same way as it treats tobacco when it comes to promotion. So, in other words, no fancy signs, no jingles playing, no ability to see the thing when you are in the convenience store. But does that actually extend far enough? Will it extend to things like at gas stations and the big signs that you see as you're pumping your gas? In some cases, those vape products are partially owned by the gas station themselves by the gas companies. They have partnerships with vaping companies. 
to sell these products. And they're highly marketable and right there in your face. Will it change, for example, I don't know if you've seen this, there's a a bus board in the city right now that advertises a vape product. It's this cool, round-looking thing. It looks like it's made by Apple. It's not. And, of course, many health experts say that the high-tech aspect of vapes is one of the things that is drawing so many young people to vapes. The other thing that health officials say is that flavored vapes are a huge problem. But there is nothing in this announcement from the provincial government that addresses any of those issues. So we are now going to be taking the vapes away from the countertops in convenience stores. But what happens in vape stores? I don't know if there's any in your community. But I tell you, I live in the beaches, and there are now more vape shops than there are cheap nail salons. And that's saying something, folks. Every street in the city seems to have another vape store. And they're fancy looking, and they got all the tubes and the vials and all the stuff. It looks very enticing. And I know it says 19 only. And... But at the same time, we know that this is a problem with youth. So are we creating an unlevel playing field? We're just waiting for Christine Elliott, the Minister of Health, to join us on the line. She is just finishing up a television interview with Global News. She's highly in demand today. But what is interesting is that the minister has decided to do one-on-one interviews instead of doing just a full blanket press conference. And sometimes ministers do this for various reasons. They want to actually be able to get out behind a particular thing and they'll do actual one-on-one interviews like that she's doing with Global Today and not do something in the media studio. It's an interesting way to handle it. She could have done one interview overall, but has decided not to. As we wait for the minister, I want to play this for you. This is Dave Bryans, who talks about what... I have been sort of laying out here. Dave Bryans is the president of the Canadian Convenience Stores Association. And we're actually going to get to Dave Bryans in just a moment because I'm told now that the minister is on the line. Hi, minister. How are you? How are you, Alan? Thank you, Christine, for uh, joining me. Tell me, why have you decided to ban the promotion of these products in convenience stores but not extend that to other industries and vape stores themselves? Because I'm very concerned about the rapid uh, increase in vaping among our young people. It has increased by 74% between 2017 and 2018. And um, I'm concerned about the, uh, the long-term effects, the uh, uh, addiction to nicotine that's happening to many of our young people, and of course the um, pulmonary illnesses that are starting to appear. So the evidence is there that there are problems, and the evidence is there that many youth are taking this up. I want to play for you now. Here is Dave Bryans, the president of the Canadian Convenience Stores Association, wondering why you are targeting his uh, his, bite, his base and his clientele and not others. Why do convenience stores um, have to uh, not be able to promote a perceived safer alternative while Another retailer, which is an unfair uh, position, can do anything they want in the store. So how does one product uh, be available in a a chain of uh, a group of stores because it's perceived by the government to be safer but not in a convenience store? Minister, your reaction to that? Uh, Well, the um, vaping products can continue to be sold 
uh, in convenience stores. They just have to be behind the power wall. It's in the same way that cigarettes do, but the uh, advertising cannot take place there. The advertising can take place in specialty vape stores and cannabis stores because um, access is prohibited to anyone under 19 years of age. And uh, there are some areas that we do not have jurisdiction over as well, where Health Canada has the right to control um, advertising on billboards and uh, TV and, and other locations. This is something that is just within provincial jurisdiction. And as Minister of Health concerned about the health and safety of our young people, um, I believe it's necessary to prohibit the advertising of these products in those locations. So it's prohibited within the convenience store, and you make the point that those billboards and those bus boards that I referenced earlier are not part of your jurisdiction. What about the actual gas stations? You'll see often promotions and flyers and stanchions and all kinds of stuff right beside the the pumps. Is that provincial jurisdiction? Yes, gas bars will also not be able to advertise. Here is the response, sorry, pardon me, Minister. Uh, Here is the response to this this move from you, from the NDP health critic, France Gelina, this morning. Last year, the Ford government made the reckless and irresponsible decision to loosen regulations and allow vaping companies to advertise their products, including locations where they would be seen by children. They are finally acknowledging that was a huge mistake. However, there is much more to do. The Cancer Society, doctors, and public health experts have been calling for a ban on flavored vapes designed to entice young customers, limiting the amount of nicotine vape marketers can put in their product, and limiting the sales to specialty sores. That is the response from the NDP, the Ontario NDP health critic, Franz Gelina. On the line, Christine Elliott, Ontario's health minister, your reaction to that minister? Well, I would say that at the time that the decision was made with respect to allowing the advertising, we did not know about the huge increase that we are going to see in vaping. And we now know that the advertising plays some part in enticing young people to um, to start vaping. And then some people are moving from vaping to smoking, which is not the direction that we want to see Ontario um, headed in. So um, I would say that you can always second guess your decisions later on, but we did not have this information at that time, but we do now, and we are taking action. With respect to uh, Ms. Jelena's concerns uh, related to uh, flavored vapes, we are continuing our consultations. Uh, We have had consultations with a number of organizations that are knowledgeable about the use of flavored vapes, the Cancer Society, Heart and Stroke, and others. And we want to also have a, a consultation with young people, with parents, and with teachers, and, uh, and, and understand exactly what's happening in Ontario. So this is a first of uh, uh, steps that we are taking. This isn't going to be the only step, but we want to make sure that we complete those consultations and be able to make good evidence-based decisions. So we are dealing with this as a matter of priority at the Ministry of Health. We are conducting consultations. We had one this past week, and we, will, uh, we have more scheduled in the next very short Time frame. I'm speaking with Ontario's Minister of Health, Christine Elliott, and a final question for you, Minister. Yesterday, the Alberta government uh, tabled a budget, and within that budget was a proposal to tax vape products. Is Ontario considering the same thing? 
That has been a suggestion, but again, until we complete the consultations, we want to make sure that we make a good evidence-based decisions that are actually going to deal with the problem. So I would say it's premature at this point for me to, um, to comment more specifically on that. Christine Elliott is Ontario's Deputy Premier and the Minister of Health. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you, Alan. Welcome back to the program. And just as the federal election campaign is over, the Ontario legislature is set to return. MPPs are back to the legislature come Monday, and that'll be all kinds of fireworks and standing ovations and all the rest. There have been many questions about what kind of decorum there will be in the House and whether we'll see a change of tone from either side of the floor. There's a bit of a pox on all their houses here. The rancor has been incredible in Ontario. And the House leader has said, well, sometimes people get passionate, and we should allow that. For more on the return of the House and also the Ford factor, and whether or not the Premier should have weighed in in the federal election campaign, and if he had, would that have helped the Conservative tally at the end of the day? For more on that, this weekend I am joined by Travis Danraj on Focus Ontario. Travis Danraj, of course, is Global's Queen's Park Bureau Chief. Hi, Travis. No problem. So, Doug Ford, he's back. He's back 144 days. That's how long the break was. They are back come Monday. And, uh, yeah, we haven't seen a, a ton of the premier. We did this week, but certainly during the federal election campaign, uh, you know, there wasn't much Doug Ford out there campaigning with Andrew Scheer. We, we've talked about this before, how, uh, you know, Andrew Scheer was steps away, blocks away from his home campaigning with the premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney. But now we're seeing the premier once again. We're seeing a different tone. So, and now he's back, and in some ways, is he not strengthened by the result? I mean, the Conservatives did not form government. They didn't pick up any seats. They didn't win. I think the progressive Conservatives and Doug Ford supporters can say, yeah, maybe Doug Ford and the campaign trail would have been a better idea. Well, and, and I mean, there's various opinions on this, right? Because you, you everyone knew that there was a strategy there not to have him front and center. Did that strategy work? Well, no, it became a story. Uh, and, and when you have Jason Kenney steps away from the premier's home, uh, how does that look? You know, uh, you know, Bob Ray was saying that they should have had him out front and center to drum up his base of supporters because he is a personable guy. Uh, he might have helped Andrew Scheer. Uh, does he come out stronger? Uh, Perhaps. Uh, I, I mean, certainly they, they, they looked at him as though he was an albatross around their necks during the campaign. But, yeah, you look at the situation now. Um, it's a minority government in Ottawa. He's got a strong majority. And you're seeing a more conciliatory tone from him. Uh, he reached out to the prime minister. He said he wants to put politics behind. There was a lot of mudsling during the campaign. Is that going to work now? I don't know, but he wants to push the reset button with it, Ottawa. It certainly doesn't fit with the caricature that has been drawn, rightly or wrongly, of Doug Ford and the bombast. And I think that the Premier has brought that on himself. And, and when we talk about a change of tone, we saw again this week Stephen Lecce, there's the Minister of Education, walking back yet another uh, move from the government. 
And so there's these constant reversals of the direction that the government had previously been in. Yeah, you're talking about the class sizes. And, I mean, there's debate as to whether or not, uh, I mean, the numbers are, are completely what he put out there. But certainly we have seen walkbacks. And, and that really started, the change in tone started with that big cabinet shuffle, not the, the one most recently. With, yeah, I think the hidden one. The, the, the on, hidden one on, on election, election day. day. Yeah, yeah but, but, the, but the big one back in June um, when he... You know, put Stephen Lecce as uh, the education minister when he moved Todd Smith over to social services. There was a big fight with parents uh, on the uh, the autism file and autism services. And you are seeing walkbacks, uh, if you want to call them that, uh, on a number of issues. Is that them listening to the electorate and saying, okay, this path isn't working? Or is that just them completely changing policy? The other key, uh, key factor here is behind the scenes, there's a change in the chief of staff. It's no longer. I want to talk French. about that. Yeah. It's, it's, so now, now we have Jamie Wallace in there, a, a different kind of a person, somebody with a lot of political experience, has been at Queens Park for some time. And what are you sensing, and just in terms of the way that the premier's office? operates now. Well, I, I think that, you know, they were trying to find their feet for a little bit there uh, for the for the for the session before uh, the break here. Um, and I, I think that they have some folks that are quite qualified now around the premier. I don't know if he was getting the best advice. Uh, clearly, we saw what happened with Dean French and the appointment scandals. Th that all hurt the premier. But the premier felt uh, a, a lot of loyalty to Mr. French. Uh, now that he's gone, certainly from, from Wallace, we are seeing the tone set from the top very different. Uh, we'll see what happens. The other thing is Paul Calandra, the House leader, was asked yesterday about what the tone is going to be like in the House itself because there have been these standing ovations. Sure. What are we going to see this coming week? Well, he says that he doesn't want to take the passion out of Let the, the debate. Play. But the speaker certainly has said, you know, there, there could be passion, but there needs to be decorum as well. So we'll see if that happens. Everybody stand for a round of applause, please. Yeah. Please, if you could, please <laughs> applaud Travis Danraj, our Queens Park Bureau Chief. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate being on the program. No problem, Thanks so much. And that you can see on Focus Ontario this weekend, that interview and more on what's going on in provincial politics in Ontario. Uh, that is Focus Ontario, 5.30, Saturday and Sunday morning at 11.30. It follows the West Block, and this weekend the West Block is going to be required viewing because Mercedes Stevenson is an interview with Andrew Shear that is absolutely fascinating, and I want to play a little bit of it in just a moment, but first... This, this morning from Laura Stone over at the Globe and Mail, tweeting out the Conservative Party has now confirmed that the next party convention where delegates will vote on whether or not to have a leadership race will be held April 16th to 18th at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre. The leadership selection process will be triggered if more than 50% of the delegates vote in favour, and this is a secret ballot. Can Andrew Scheer survive? Well, Mr. Scheer himself remains convinced that a prime minister can hold social conservative views on divisive issues like same-sex marriage and abortion and still be elected by Canadians. He told Canadian press, quote, I believe you can have both of those positions. You can have a personal view and you can acknowledge that in Canada, the prime minister does not impose a particular viewpoint on Canadians. Here's more of Mr. Scheer speaking with Canadian press. 
I, I believe that, that Canadians understand that any number of people can have a different point of view on these issues. Um, what's important to them is to know whether or not a Prime Minister will, will make changes or seek to make changes. And my, assur my, my, my assurances to Canadians was that uh, as Prime Minister, these types of debates would not be reopened. Did that play in this election? Mr. Scheer said it over and over again. Regardless of my personal conviction, these are not debates that I will reopen. In an interview with Mercedes Stevenson, who is Global's Ottawa bureau chief, Scheer says, well, things didn't go the way that he would have wanted, but then was asked about pride parades. And I want to play this for you. Here is Andrew Scheer explaining why he will not march in any pride parades. Would you reconsider marching in a gay pride parade you know, next year? Is, is that a possibility? No, I, I, I made it clear that uh, I will choose other ways to show my support for the LGBT community. So no. I'll continue. Uh, I, I, I won't march in parades, but I will uh, ensure that our party is, is inclusive and, and open and that we fight for equality rights of all Canadians and that we, uh, we hold the government to account for not doing more, uh, for example, to help uh, uh, people who are persecuted for their sexual orientation coming to Canada. So why the opposition? That is Andrew Shear speaking with Mercedes Stevenson. You can see that full interview this Sunday on the West Block, and I will sum up by saying this. Mr. Shear will not be electable unless he changes. Mr. Shear is not electable unless he marches in gay pride parades. And you may say, well, the man should be able to have his own conviction. He shouldn't be forced to march in a parade. True. You should not be forced to. If conservatives want to form government in this country, they simply cannot have a leader that refuses to do these things. Social conservatism worries too many people on the center of the spectrum, the center and the center left. And what will happen is what happened this week. It will happen again and again. That even if progressives think, I don't like the liberals, they're going to look at the conservatives and say, that guy won't march in a parade. He doesn't represent the beliefs that I have. I have to vote against him. And that will continue until there are changes. Welcome back to the program, Making News. British police say they have arrested two more people in connection with the deaths of 39 people found in the back of that container truck in southeastern England. Police say a man and a woman, both 38 years of age, from Warrington in northwest England have been arrested on suspicion of manslaughter and conspiracy to traffic people. The 25-year-old driver of the truck remains in custody on suspicion of murder. Essex police say the victims were believed to be from China. The truck was found Wednesday near a port in southeast England. However, China's embassy in London says in a statement that police are still verifying the victims' identities and that their nationalities had actually not yet been confirmed. So reports that the victims are all from China has not been confirmed yet by the Chinese embassy. Authorities say a Rhode Island man visiting the New England Patriots Hall of Fame took a Tom Brady jersey off a display and walked off with it. 
This man was freed on his personal recognizance after a not guilty plea to a larceny charge. Police say the 33-year-old was wearing the jersey under his jacket when he was apprehended Thursday, still in the vicinity of the Hall of Fame. Police say the signed jersey is worth $10,000. It had not actually been worn in a game. Uh, There has been a decline to comment from the lawyer in all of this. And you may recall that Brady's game-worn jersey was stolen out of the locker room after the Patriots' victory in the Super Bowl over Atlanta in 2017. Ten grand for a signed jersey that was not worn in a game. Also, don't wear the jersey if you steal it, maybe. I like this story. The vegans in the room are going to enjoy it. This is for the vegans. Yesterday we had the story about the deer that fought back after being shot and fatally wounded a hunter. This from Russia. A circus bear attacked its handler during a show in Russia Wednesday. The traveling show taking place in a northwestern region of Russia. The bear, which is muzzled, had been performing in a circus tent of seated spectators, including children, in an act called Clubfoot in the Garden Wheelbarrow. Footage of the scene shows the bear pushing the wheelbarrow, then following its handler across the mat, walking upright. Then the bear lunges and knocks the handler to the ground. Circus staff members rush over, kick the bear, trying to get it off the handler. Screams from the audience members who are sitting close. There's no barrier. The, the bear is right there. Everyone turned out to be just fine. Vegans? Except for the bear that got That's kicked. That's exactly what I just said. Except for the bear. He just wanted to get out. I, I keep vegans nearby because <laughs> if you want to be judged, ask a vegan. I can do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That is Jackie, my producer, always judging me. I want to talk very quickly, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to talk about this really concerning incident that's happening in High Park and Bloor West Village, where women say they have now seen a man a number of times allegedly exposing himself. Uh, The Toronto Police Service telling Global News, however, they don't actually have an official complaint on file about this. Our Camille Caramali did a story about this yesterday, and here is a young woman describing what she saw. It's kind of disturbing. Layla Grant says she's still shaken up by an incident that happened to her last weekend while she was walking home from work with a friend in the High Park area at around 2 a.m. There's a car, a red car, that was driving by, squeaky axles. He passes us, looks at me, like, at us. Grant says the man parked his vehicle and began... That is uh, reporter Erica Vella. My apologies, I got the wrong piece of uh, audio there, but it is still the same story, and you heard there from the eyewitness what she saw. Now, here is my point here. And this is a question I have for you and especially for the women who are listening right now. The Toronto Police Service said that they didn't actually have anything on file about this because no one had filed a formal complaint. However, when the young woman that you heard from in that story put something up on Facebook, on social media, suddenly other people said, no, I've seen this too. I've seen this precise guy. This has happened more than once. Police say... They encourage people to encounter incidents like this one to not just post about it, don't just put it on social media, but contact police. The question is for women who see this, would you call police? Is this something that would make you call police? Or is it just something that so unfortunately happens so often that it's like, ah, 
I'm hoping that in the future someone calls the cops, but I understand, obviously, I understand perhaps why that doesn't happen. Concerning, I hope this guy gets caught because the evidence has shown in the past that this is how sexual predators begin. They begin with this kind of behavior and then it escalates. But we need to get police on this and we need to catch this guy. Welcome back to the program. It's not going to be long until it's Halloween. Have you gone out? Have you bought the candy yet? That is always the most important thing in my house is deciding how to time the candy purchase. You know, if you wait too late, you got nothing. You're giving out, you know, you're giving out chips or some other, you know, those bad hard candies and the kids are like, "This, this guy sucks. But if you buy it too early, you eat it. You sit down, you watch a World Series game, and you realize, I just ate 47 little tiny chocolate bars. <laughs> but they're so tiny. They're small. So quickly, you, know, you can go through them quickly. So I have, I, I've, I've put a band. There's no chocolates, no candy, no trick-or-treat candies allowed in the house until just a couple of days before. It is very tricky. Now, how do you feel about haunted houses? More and more, if you go through your neighborhoods, you find that people are spending an obscene amount of money to make their houses pretty pretty scary. But there is a house in Tennessee that is really scary. It promises a 10-hour torture horror experience that is too terrifying to be completed. Anyone who successfully gets through the entire haunt wins themselves $20,000 U.S. if you can get through this thing. But so far, not a single person has made it through. Megan Ray is a global national online journalist and has joined me live in studio to talk about it. Why is this house so scary, Megan? Um, Well, so it was started by a guy named Russ McKamey. It's called McKamey Manor. And they actually have two locations, one in Tennessee and one in Alabama. And like you said, it promises 10 hours of this genre called torture horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially it's staffed with a bunch of um, actors who only whose only goal is to terrify the living daylights out of anybody um, who dares to go in. Um, the only cost is a bag of dog food for the to guys' dogs. Yeah. You, you bring some kibble. Yep. And then you get terrified. And nobody's been able to finish this yet? Yeah. So it started two decades ago in San Diego before he moved um, to the American South. And no one, not a single person has been able to get through the entire 10 hours. It's that scary. 10 hours. 10 hours, yeah. I think the longest maybe was five hours. Somebody lasted. It's like watching the federal leaders debate over and over again. <laughs> nobody else could. Nobody could do that either. Nope. <laughs> I wouldn't do that for twenty grand. Uh, so, so what is it that is so terrifying in there? Do we know? Well, they, so they have tons of videos on their website. If if you want to go and, right. and take a look at those, but I mean, there's everything from having to hold your breath underwater. Um, you get locked in a freezer. Um, you get fake blood sprayed all over you. It's a lot of mental um, torture, is what they like to call it. Um, so if you have a strong mind, maybe you a can strong. get the twenty k. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. Well, that's fascinating. All right. Well, so, and, and anybody can do it. All you need is a, just some dog food. Yeah, you do have to. Um, there's quite a few whole, uh, loops you have to jump through first. Um, you have to read a 40-page waiver. You need to prove um, uh, you've, you, know, you're, you have health insurance in case you get hurt. Um, lots of other stuff. You have to there's do a drug, drug test. test. There's a drug test, yeah. Wait, you got to pee in a bottle before you go in the haunted house? You do, house? yeah, the same day. Man. They want to make sure you're completely, you know, sober and level-headed <laughs> for after. Yeah. No, I wouldn't want to be high to go into this haunted house. I Probably wouldn't want not. to do that. <laughs> Put down that vape. Yeah. Uh, you can read uh, Megan's story about this terrifying haunted house and the $20,000 that you could win if you could finish it. You can see it online and figure out whether or not you think you could pick up the 20K. Thank you, Megan. Appreciate you being here. Stay no. with us now. Yeah, absolutely. Because we also have our regular Friday feature. Mira Estrada is here, our pop culture expert and host of Cultured, which is right here on this radio station every Saturday night at 8. And you're here to talk Halloween as well. Here, I want to tell both of you about what are the most searched Halloween costumes in 2019. Do tell. All right. Number nervous. Uh, number seven on our list, Fortnite. You can dress up like any kind of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Number six <laughs> is clown, but there's two different kinds of clown. Number six is happy clown. <laughs> number five, descendants. Number four, dinosaur. You know the inflated T Rexes. You see those everywhere. Very popular. Very popular. Number three is Spider Man. Number two is witch. And the number one costume for 2019, Scary Clown It. Mm-hmm. Yep. See? See, you can go as a happy clown or you can just, uh, you can, all you have to do is get it like a balloon and all of a sudden your clown is scary. <laughs> That's I think all clowns are scary. Oh, yeah. Clowns are scary. Mira, what do you think you should dress up as if you want to be very current pop culture 2019? That's right. So... Harry and Megan and the little baby Archie. Good one. Um, I like that. Yes. I like that too. Lizzo, very popular. Lizzo, I, I, do you have to uh, carry the bottle of Petron with you the whole time? Could be, could be fun. That would make for, <laughs> a, that would make for make, an interesting Halloween. <laughs> that would make for a good Halloween. Um, on the countryside, Casey Musgraves, as well as um, Billy Ray Cyrus from... When he's in his garb in the uh, Little Nas X video. Okay. Um, and then a lot of the TV shows. So like Euphoria, which had that crazy mm-hmm. makeup, eye makeup. A lot of people are doing Euphoria this world, this year, as well as ensemble ones. Um, the cast of Big Little Lies, of course, um, is big still. Um, as well so as you need a lot of you need a big crew for that. You need Megan. friends. Mm-hmm. Like, Megan, you need like, a lot of friends. If you travel get... on your own, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> you could be the the lead from Russian Doll. A lot of TV, a lot of TV shows, basically. Um, and then Hustlers, the movie Hustlers. Mm. So if you want to be a if I could get my hands on that J Lo dress, yeah. you know that J Lo dress. Now is the time to do it. <laughs> I could and do it in style. Have you, in terms of Halloween costume fails, yeah. it's so easy, Megan, to go wrong. Is oh, it's it not? very easy to go wrong. <laughs> it's easy. It's too easy. It's, it's 
Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's the obvious ones, and every year we see this. We just saw Bed uh, Bed Bath and Beyond just mm-hmm. yesterday had to pull pumpkins that it was selling. Yeah. They are black pumpkins with white eyes and white mouths. Essentially, yeah. it's a blackface pumpkin. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's yeah. what the um, somebody from the NAACP um, in New York actually was, you know, complained about uh, those pumpkins in particular, actually, that it was, you know, blackface And, and every year we see something like this and you think, is nobody paying attention? Like, how could you not see that that would be a, not be a problem? That's going to be right. a problem. Yeah, yeah. This I happens... Guess- Every Halloween. Halloween is not the time to go culture experimenting. Like, culture Mm -mm. is not costume. There is a billion costumes. Be a hamburger. Mm -hmm. Be whatever you want to be. Be a box. Don't be a culture. Yeah, I agree. Totally. That's insulting to hamburgers. Sorry. (laughs) Be a vegan burger. Yeah, it could be a plant-based burger. There you go. Very current. Beyond meat burger. You have a costume picked up, Megan? I don't. I, you know, I'm not a big Halloween person, what? to be honest. You I know? know I'm very, it's an unpopular opinion, but I might do like a, a lazy uh, Grease-inspired costume this weekend. Grease? Yeah, like uh, not the country, uh, the movie. Okay. Musical. Just going to say, don't appropriate <laughs> yeah. uh, culture. Can I, quickly tell you yeah. about, can I quickly tell you about music? Uh, Kanye yeah. West Cole has Kanye's dropped his new thing, yeah. Finally dropped Jesus is King literally just... I think within the last half hour, mm-hmm. after like multiple, it's coming, it's coming. It was supposed to come Thursday at midnight, and then he tweeted out, "I'm just fixing up a few songs." Is he a spent force <laughs> artistically in terms? I mean, you know, obviously we pay attention to him for a lot of reasons. I don't think the music is one of them anymore. Anybody? No, I, mm-hmm. I'm there for church. Yeah. I'm there for the sermon. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I've never been a big Kanye fan, to be honest, but my brothers are, so by proxy, I guess I've had to listen to it, but not a huge fan of his antics. All right. Excessively.